you. It's good to be in church. It's good to be where I've missed being with you. Um, you don't be in a church 17 years and not miss it when you're not here. I miss you. I've had a chance to uh, look at some other churches, and we'll do that all year as I go along. But, you know, it's just fun to, always good to be back home, as they say. And uh, it was good to. Well, okay. I'll pay you later, sister. That was good. I, good timing on that. It was awesome. Well, I missed you. But I knew you were in good hands. Robert did a great job. Got good reports on Brother Robert. He's a. He, I, I, okay, Pat. That's all right. That's, that's, that's good. Man, now I'm going to have to take her to dinner. Boy, what's it? We're just. Uh, I'm just glad to be back. <clears throat> glad to be back. Today we're going to continue in our Ignite series, and uh, Jeff, I'm running short on time, so get your jogging shoes on back there, all right? But um, we've been looking at in this series how one life, how one life has the potential to change the world. Now, I believe that. I believe that. Because if you will be a person who's willing to share your faith, if you're a person who will talk to people about your faith, you have the potential to make an eternal impact on those people that are around you. So God has given each of us some opportunities. And today, I want to give you some ways that you can make that happen. Uh, I want to give you some tools that you can leave with. In your bulletin is a handout that says, Plan of Salvation. You may disagree with me, and that's fine. You may not like the way I've put this together, and that's fine. It took me a long time to draw those lines. So at least appreciate that, would you? No, I'm just teasing you. But I think you'll see the benefit of this in just a little bit. But hold that for, for now, and uh, I want us to uh, dig in here. And we're going to talk about real faith issues today, and we're going to talk about uh, and pulling the curtain back on what it means to be a Christian and, 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 and what we can find in that. Uh, and, and we're going to do that through a, an, an awesome story in the book of Acts in the New Testament. We're going to look at a guy named Philip who went and he talked, uh, was given the opportunity to talk, and he went and talked to a guy. And the thing that I want you to see about him is he was ready. And really the question of the hour is, are you ready? Are we ready when God gives us the opportunity to share our faith with those that we encounter? Now, I've got the whole story on the front of your bulletin, so if you want to look at that or look in your Bible, uh, we're going to be in, in Acts chapter 8, but uh, I've got it right there for you. I think we're going to have it on the, on the screen also, and uh, let's kind of let's dig right in here. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza, or Gaza. This was a road that, that ran south toward Egypt, out of Jerusalem down to, down to uh, Egypt. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and now he was returning. Now, now we need to pause here just a second because you're probably wondering and, and I want you to underline on your, note, on your uh, bulletin there the word eunuch and you might be wondering what in the world is that. Now I don't want you to spend a whole lot of time wondering the rest of the service what is a eunuch. He was a powerful government official, but in this day, they would castrate those types of men who worked that closely to the queen for two reasons. One, so the queen wouldn't be tempted, and secondly, because he wouldn't be tempted by the queen. 
So now that we've straightened that out for you, and all of you know what eunuch is, when I was teaching Bible classes in Bible college to fifth graders, one little girl raised her hand and she said, what is an Ethiopian unch? I said, your mother can tell you later. And I probably would have gotten in trouble if she had asked her mother, and she might have. But I don't want you to get fixated on what is a eunuch. That's what a eunuch is, so uh, we want to keep. But the thing I want you to, do, to notice, the thing I want you to focus on, is he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. That's really an important piece of the story. Because why would a guy all the way from Ethiopia, still to this day, modern-day Ethiopia, still the same country, why would he go all the way to Israel to worship? Well, I really believe, I really believe it was because there was something missing in his life. There was an emptiness, that a loneliness, a brokenness. He, he knew that there was something spiritual that needed fulfilled. So he went to Jerusalem in search of that something, that connection with God, because when you lose that connection, <laughs> you got problems. But let's pick up where the story continues. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go and uh, go over and walk alongside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he was reading was this, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before his shearers, he does not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life that was taken from the earth? So the eunuch now asks a question. I love this. It's verse 35 of chapter 8. He, he asks Philip a question. He says, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And right here, verse 35, Philip, it says, Philip told him. So beginning with that scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Verse 36, the very next verse, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop, went down into the water, Philip baptized him. Now, to me, that's an incredible story. I just love that story because it encapsulates so much. It shows opportunity. It shows a man sharing his faith. It shows a man knowing the word. It, it shows a man that was ready. He was ready. And you and I have to be ready. Uh, this could have been the very guy, this Ethiopian, could have been the very guy that went back to Ethiopia and began the Ethiopian church. That church is still in function today. In fact, in the papers just, just now, the radical Muslims killed a bunch of Christians in Ethiopia. That church still is going. And who knows if it was this guy? Could have been. But it never would have happened if Philip hadn't taken the opportunity presented to him. And if Philip hadn't been ready, you got to be ready. Amen you got to be ready. And, we, you know, if Philip hadn't been ready to talk, nothing would have happened. That official would have come, he'd have gone, and nothing would have changed. And so we want to look at our Ignite principle this week. On the inside of your, of your bulletin, you can see that. It says, God uses me when I am prepared to what? What's your say? To be used. God uses me when I am prepared to be used. God wants to use us. He's ready to use us even today. But are we ready? He can't use us if we're not prepared. I tried a, a, a recipe at home. I told Cindy I was going to cook dinner. And I could hear this chuckling on the end of the phone. I said, now, I'm not going to start till I know exactly when you're going to be home. Because I'm not going to fix this dinner and then have you come in an hour later and it's cold. Boy, that sounds like a role reversal, doesn't it? So I had it ready. She comes in. 
She takes one look at it, and she goes, wow. And I said, wow. <laughs> she dug into it, ate it. I still got the, wow, wow. Not only did that once in two weeks I was gone, but, you know, that don't matter how many times I do it. The fact that I started from scratch, and I took, it was awesome. She goes, well, where did you get this recipe? I said, off of a box. But it was good, wasn't it? See, I paid her good to tell you, yes, it was good. But God will lead us. God will lead us if we let him. He's ready. God has you in jinx for a reason. Has, has you here for a purpose. God has you at the job where you are for a purpose. He has you living in the house or apartment where you are for a purpose. He has the gym where you work out there for a purpose. And he has you there for the same purpose. So you can be an influence on other people in your life for Jesus if you'll just look for those opportunities. God will give them. So I want us to, to understand that the first thing that God wants us to do on your outline there, you, you can see that on the inside of the outline, that's where we're at now, is that God wants you to, uh, to be where you're supposed to be, okay? So God wants to lead us to where he wants us to be. Secondly, don't be just somewhere, be aware. Be aware of who God wants me to invest in. I call this spiritual readiness. I call the, uh, the first one physical readiness. This one is spiritual readiness. Just be aware of who God is working in, uh, in, in their lives around you. Just be, be, be sensitive to it. Ask God to lead you. Ask God to direct you there. And let those conversations flow. And Don't get into arguments, but this is a group of people that want to get in arguments. Every time you bring up something about uh, Jesus or God, they just want to argue about it. We don't argue with them. You don't have time for that. If they don't want to believe in it, then they take the risk. Amen? Oh, I had somebody call me this week and want me to watch movies. They've got the movies of the Mark of the Beast and all that kind of stuff. And I just laughed. They said, what are you laughing at? I said, where have you been? I said, this stuff has been coming on for, for a long time. Oh, man, there's more earthquakes than we've ever had. And there's more, stuff, you know, these rain things. And there's more waves. And there's, people are dying. And there's radioactive stuff going I said, where have you been? I said, you think this is new? Well, it just seems to be more of it. I said, then you might want to get right with God, huh? I said, you haven't been in church in quite a while. Maybe you ought to come to church. Well, just maybe I should. I said, but hey, no problem for me. If you don't want to come, you run the risk. Amen? If you don't want to get closer to God, I'm not going to make you. I'm not going to hog tie you and drag you to the cross and say, you better find him right now. <laughs> if that would work, I'd do all of you that way. Some of you need a second, third, fourth shot up there. I know. Well, yeah, kind of straight away. Okay. But you see, that's the kind of people, <laughs> they just want to argue with you. Who are the people in your life who are most receptive to talking about faith? You've got to find them. Philip, here's the Ethiopian reading scripture. He knew he had a captive audience, didn't he? See, if you're sitting in Starbucks or wherever, you want to buy that high-dollar coffee, I'd rather go to Quick Trip and sit out in the parking lot. But anyway, that's just me. You know what I'm saying? But if you're sitting around and you're seeing somebody read Scripture, man, there's, there's somebody open to at least carry on a conversation with. Now, they may shoot you full of holes. Because you've got to be prepared. You've got to be ready. There are three times in people's lives when they're the most receptive. And I want you to write this in the margin of your, of your outline there. Those three times are under tension. Number one, under tension. 
Number two, during transition. And number three, in trouble. So the first one, under tension, maybe there's stress at work, stress at home, finances aren't going well, facing anxiety, they're under tension. They're a little more open to the things of God. During transition, the second one, people are more open to the things of God. Uh, maybe, maybe they've got a new marriage going on. Maybe they're moving to a new city. Uh, perhaps they're having a new baby or there's a new job that they're going into. It's during these transition times that people can be more open to godly things. And then there's when people are in trouble, thirdly. When they're about to lose their job, when they're about to lose a marriage, when finances are really going bad and they're in trouble, oftentimes they're more open. So look for those times. Seize those times. And grab those times. So we want to be where God wants us to be, number one. Secondly, we want to be aware of who God wants us to invest in. And then number three, we need to be ready to share our faith at any time. Be ready to share your faith at any time. And I call this intellectual readiness. That's when you're in the right place, you recognize the right person, and then you intellectually know what to say. That's where Philip was. He was ready. He was in the right place. He knew who God wanted him to talk to. And then he had the ready answers for this Ethiopian government official. He knew what to say, how to share his faith. You see, God may use you to influence somebody of influence. You may not lead a lot to Christ, but that influential person might. But somebody had to lead the influential person to Christ. You see? But let me give you a few other tools to use. First of all is my story. In my story, Robert did a great job a couple of weeks ago introducing our series and, and introducing this concept. In fact, if you, want to, if you didn't get it or you want to get a refresher, it, go to our website, www.rocjinx.com. How about that? Click on the button that says Online Features. How about that? And then all of a sudden... This little sermon player comes up. Look for the date, 3.13, Ignite My Story. Click on audio and sit back and enjoy. And you can hear him again. Because you see, it's important. Repetitiveness is good. Even if you were here on the 13th, I bet you don't all, all remember what he said. Go back and listen. Be good for you. But he, he covered it very well. He covered it very well. And then Jeff uh, launched us into the next phase of of our time but uh, uh you just need to do that and there's reasons why that we need to tell people our story first of all they can relate to it they can have things in common with me then they can relate it they also can find it interesting because they care about me and then thirdly they can't argue with that story because it's my experience i used to i used to chuckle at people's testimonies and stories because if it didn't line up with my tradition, I thought they were nuts. Well, what I've discovered through the, through the power of God and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God is that their testimony, their, their experience is just as valid as any of mine. If they said they jumped off a church five times and found God, who am I to sit back and go, well, you're stupid. Right? Oh, I find him in the morning while I'm in my worship room and I've got my hands up and I feel the Holy Spirit all over me. What am I supposed to say? Well, I've never felt that, so you must be stupid. Heavens no, that's their experience. We should embrace that experience. Amen. 
We should be excited that they're tuned into God and they're feeling God's presence in their life. That's what we ought to be excited about. And we ought to, we ought to praise Him for it. Here's a little bit of a guideline that you might use. B.C., before I met Christ, and then the cross in the middle, and then A.D., after that decision. That's a good little thing to work. You might write that down in the margin somewhere. So when you're telling your story, you should be able to do it in about two to five minutes. I mean, if you're going to go on for 20, 30 minutes, they ain't going to listen. It's already noon, and I'm losing some of you right now. <laughs> so hang with me. Hang with me. But you, you want to talk about how your life was before Christ? What caused you to come to the cross? And then after you made that decision, now what's your life like? It's really that simple. Two to five minutes. all you need to spend. You don't need to spend a whole lot of time. A second group that I deal with is called the bridge. I think that's up there now. Yeah. See, in the bridge, <laughs> this, is a, this is a great picture. Us and God. What's in, the, what's in between? Well, there's nothing right now. Sin. Sin's in between. Sin separates us from God. Okay, Jeff, second picture. And so we try to do things. We think if I do things, if I'm a good old boy, I give to the Red Cross. Uh, I'll go down to, I'll work in the soup kitchen. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, you know what? You know, I do go to church, and well, I'll sit in the nursery. Okay, well, I'll do communion preparation. Okay, well, if they need somebody to teach a Sunday school class, well, I guess I'll do it. I don't like kids. I hate them, really, but I guess I'll go in there because they look like they're desperate around there. So, you know, you're doing God a favor. I know they don't have enough deacons and elders. Well, I, you know, okay, I guess I'll sign up. Yeah, isn't that right? Yeah. We need somebody to be the treasurer of the church. Oh, I hate money. I can't count it. I don't, I only got ten toes, and once I'm past that, I'm done. Are you with me? So we think we can do stuff, but all of our stuff does what? Leads us to death. And so we needed something to help us beyond what we do. You know, you can't be good enough and make it. But we think we can. I don't smoke, drink, or chew or go with women that do. You ever heard that one? <laughs> don't kick my dog. Don't beat my wife. You know, we, we, we come up with these things that we do. Third picture. But here's the essence of it. We needed a way to get back to God. Amen? Sin was separating us. All of our activity, all of our stuff we were doing was leading us to death until God loved us. See, we were trying to get over to God with all of our stuff and it wasn't working. So God said, I'll make a bridge so you can come over. I'll do it. I'll take care of it. He created us and then He saved us. By putting the cross as our bridge and doing what to death? <coughs> Wipes it out. Up here, you X'd it out. You no longer have to worry about dying. Amen? Amen. Die one, uh, born once to die twice or born twice to die once? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Let that one mill around on you a little bit, okay? <coughs> this is an important thing to remember. 
But the bridge, that's, that's a great one to talk to people about. Uh, it's, really, it's really an awesome thing. Okay? And uh, in fact, let's look at that verse in your, in your outline, John 5, 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him that sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. Now I want us to read it all together. Ready? The last part. But has crossed over from death to life. You got it? Crossed over from death to life. We get to come over through the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Nothing we've done. Nothing we could do. He did it for us. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So he crossed over from death to life. So that bridge illustration is a great one. The next one I I want you to look at is one that I've titled Do Versus Done. Isn't that great? Do Versus Done. See, a lot of people don't come to Christ because they feel they've got to make this, this, this do list. Got to do, got to do, got to do, got to do, do, do. Got to do, got to do, got to do, do, do. Got to do, got to do. Because what you do doesn't matter. Amen? You can cook a million dinners on Wednesday night. I'm not picking on Wednesday. I'm just simply saying, you can do stuff all you want to. It's not going to, God, God's going to go, okay. He said, did you have fun? Well, I'm wore out, man. Nobody helped me or nothing. He said, how do you feel about that? Well, I don't feel like it at all. Okay. Said, well, all right, I'm going to get to heaven because I did all that. Well, do you know Jesus? Well, no, I've never met him. Oh, well. But, but God, don't we do that all the time? But God, didn't I? Didn't I? I've had people come up and give me large checks. They'll hand me a check thinking that by handing the preacher the check, <laughs> that somehow is going to find favor with God. Now, I love the check. Don't get me wrong. You know, I've told you about the friend of our church. He never goes to church here. He doesn't go to church anywhere. He's a Christian, he claims. But when he goes to the casino and he hits pretty good size, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, he comes in and brings 10% to the church and brings it here. And he asked me one time, he said, do you mind spending this casino money? I said, in a heartbeat, bring it in, brother. He said, well, man, I'm feeling pretty lucky. I said, I need $40,000. He said, that's a lot of money. I said, well, he said, you're feeling lucky. Get with it. I said, actually, if you could come up with about half a million, I'd be really, really happy. He said, well, I would do. (laughs) I I said, well, there you go. But see, it's not about the doing, is it? It's about the condition of your heart that gives it. And that's what, we be, that's what we need to be about. Because God has not set up this. And look, most people say, well, I don't want to be a Christian because it's hard, it's boring. And hey, you know, I still want to be a part of that thing because it's just ah, just this big to-do list. <laughs> it's not what we do. It's not what religion's about. Religion, in fact, is about doing. Every other religion but Christianity, biblical Christianity, every other religion says you've got to do certain stuff. They've got your list. If you don't do it, you don't make it. Christianity... I love it because it's already got done. <laughs> it's been done. But for most people, the biggest fear of coming to, coming to Christ is not only the do list, but the two, but the two don't list. You know, if I come, become a Christian, I can't have sex. I can't get drunk. I can't do all the carousing. <laughs> do you need to do that anyway? I, when I was a youth pastor, I used to challenge young people. I said, give me three things you've got to give up to become a Christian. They'd usually say friends, music, and then they'd struggle with the third one. And then I'd look at them. I'd say, well, is there anything about those friends that you really don't need? He said, well, no, not really. I said, what about the music? He said, well, I, I really need to be listening to better music. Christian music now has so many alternatives to what you listen to. If you want the thing where they scream, 
and then every now and then they yell Jesus. That, that, that's, that's got that music for you. I've listened to it, haven't you? You know, by the, then you've got the kumbaya kind of kumbaya. And for all of us, we're up here, you know, got our cell phones up in the air now, right? You should do a cigarette lighter. Now it's a, now it's a cell phone. You light up your cell phone, and you, isn't that awesome? But it's what I can't do. Well, the whole thing is you need to understand what the Bible tells us it's already been done. What Jesus did, every sin that we commit today, every sin we will ever commit in the future has already been forgiven by Jesus on the cross. Look at our verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. God saved you by His special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Now let's read the last part together. Ready? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. Salvation is given as a gift because God loves you, cares about you, wants to spend. He loves you so much, He wants to spend forever with you. Is that not awesome? Is that not awesome? Now flip over to the back of your bulletin and let me quickly look at a couple more. One is called the morality ladder. I just love this. And I've just got a goofy looking ladder up there. But the way we do a ladder is at the bottom are the bad people, at the top are the good people, right? And that's how we do. 80% of Americans think that we're doing okay. So we kind of put ourselves up about that, uh, almost that top rung before we're at the top. We don't go all the way to the top. That's perfection. That's the Billy Grahams. That's the Mother Teresa's. You know, those are the, those are the pastors up there, right? Amen? Oh, okay. <laughs> Missionaries, maybe they're up there. Would you say amen to that one? No? Okay. Mercy. Are you guys, are, anybody out there? Hey, hey! <laughs> but we, we, try to, we try to judge. We do it all the time. We judge who's doing what, where we're going. So I want to ask you a question. Who goes at the bottom? How about murderers? Just say amen. Murders? Rapists? Child molesters? Who's at the top? Missionaries, preachers usually, Billy Grahams, the, you know, those kind of people. But where do you fall? Where do you put yourself? Ah, 80% put, us up on, put themselves up on the First rung before the top because they believe they're pretty good old people. Never meaning no harm. Yeah, well, you jump over a thing and a dodge. The morality ladder. It's amazing how people put themselves and where they put themselves and how great they think of themselves. Okay? But there's a gap, remember? There's a gap between us and God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says that for once, for if you're a sinner and you stay a sinner, you're going to die a sinner. And so we've got to understand that God has given us a great gift. And He's made it so that we can be saved. And that's what's important. It's really important. Then lastly is my invitation. Now I've just got a hand reaching out to you because that's really what an invitation is, isn't it? One beggar leading another beggar to bread. That's what our job is. We're simply a beggar that found bread and we're trying to lead somebody else to it. And you've got a great opportunity. Next week we're going to talk about this idea of invitation coming from the book of Matthew and the story of Andrew and his brother Peter. It's a great story. 
But you've got a great opportunity coming up in four weeks on April 24th at Easter Sunday. I'd like to pack this place twice. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if we could have 200 people come to River Oaks on one Sunday? Oh, preacher, that'll never happen. That's right. It never will with that spirit. But if we begin to pray and we collectively pray for God to fill this house twice. <laughs> we had 123 chairs in here. Isn't that awesome? Let's put them all in there. The latecomers have to set up in these two. <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, they wouldn't stay. <laughs> all right. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Why can't we do that? Why can't we do that? It's not possible. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. How big's your God? Is he only 123 big? See, we're already 70% full in here today. Did you know that? You, well, there's empty chairs in here. There are. But guess what? Three things happen when we're 70%. You don't invite anybody to come. You don't even say hello to those that are guests today. And thirdly, you quit coming regularly to yourself. Those are just natural things that happen. They just do. Statistically, that's what's been proven through, through studies and surveys and all that stuff. That's amazing, isn't it? 50% capacity is your greatest growth uh, number. So we need about 30 of you to quit coming every Sunday, and then we'll have our 50%, amen? No! How about we, we have three opportunities. Add more chairs, which ought to be tough. Secondly, go to a second service, which we're going to start doing on Easter Sunday, and then we're going to go on through the summer with it and give it a trial run and see what happens. Or thirdly, we relocate. Oh, man, I've just, I've just been hung on the cross again, haven't I? But those are the three options you have. Amen? When you grow as a family, when you started having kids, you said, well, we're going to stop at one, and next, all of a sudden you had seven <laughs> in a two-bedroom apartment. You're kind of looking for a new place, aren't you? Yeah, you do. Because you can't add rooms, can you? You can add all the chairs you want. But you've got to have a bigger place. That's just the way it goes. Well, if you really believe that God is calling us to seek and to save the lost, then we ought to, we ought to consider that. And we ought to consider filling up every service. Wouldn't that be awesome that we would be running 200 in less than six months? Ah, preacher, you've lost your mind. I know. Because I believe in the cross. And I believe what Jesus can do in the cross. Oh, there's plenty of naysayers. How do I know that? He had 12 apostles who walked with him every day, right? For three years. And when he went to the cross, how many of them showed up? Just one. Just one. Well, where was that big old mouth Peter? Where was he at? I'll go to the death with you, Lord. I'll never deny you at all. Where was he at? Remember him? Yeah. You see... 65%, no, 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 85% of people who come to a saving knowledge of Christ or whoever join a church come at the invitation of a friend. So do you love them enough? Do you love them enough to invite them to come? Well, I'm giving you a big time, April 24th, Easter Sunday, giving you four weeks to work on it. Well, preacher, I ask everybody. They just, I already got a church. They don't want to come at all. Keep asking. Pretty soon they'll come just because they want you to stop. And I believe once they come here, they'll be loved. They'll feel the love of Christ at this church. Because that's one of the things that we do well is that we love people. Amen? 
We might not be big and have a whole lot of other stuff going on, but we sure do love people, and that's what it's all about. Now I want you to, uh, our last verse is in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, but before we read that together, I want you to look, take a look at this uh, uh, insert I, I put in there for you. So grab that in your hand right quick, real quick. You never leave the book of Romans. I've given you the formula at the bottom. There's six steps. There's six things to say. Just memorize it. You'll be able to draw this on a napkin. I want you to learn it so well you can draw it on a napkin. First of all, every person has a problem. It's called sin. Now, the cross isn't usually drawn there. You've got the two, the, two, uh, the two sides, and then you've got sin. All right? Man's on one side. God's on the other. And man's whole life, he strives to get next to God. Through either what we do, what we say, our own efforts never works. Because Romans 3.23 says that uh, all have sinned and fall, fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So if we never correct the sin, we die. But God has made it a way for us. That's what Romans 5.8 says, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Is that not awesome? So it's a free gift God has given to each person. And it's only a gift when you do what? Receive it. It's not a gift until you receive it. So when you receive Christ, <laughs> everything changes. Then you might say, okay, now that I have him, how do I get hold of him? That's what Romans 6, 1 through 5 talks about. And it tells us how to receive that gift of forgiveness and that we can draw into Christ and unite with his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the description of baptism. And then we jump on, onto the cross and we run across to God's side. And there's two other verses, Romans 8, 1 and 2. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus right now. Especially if you're walking according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. And then Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, that's what it's all about. You can learn this. It's real easy. I have a preacher. I just don't memorize. Well, then stick this in your Bible. Put it, make copies, stick it in your pocket. Have it in your billfold. So when, some, when the opportunity comes, pull it out and read it to them. Amen? Whatever it takes, be ready so that God can do something great in you. It's an incredible gift that God has given us. All right? Let's read our verse together. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Live wisely among non-believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you have the right response for everyone. Let's bow our heads together and pray. The worship team comes to help me close. Father, I want to thank you for the incredible gift that you gave us in your son Jesus Christ. When we were separated from you because of our sin, desperately trying to find something to fill that emptiness and brokenness, you reached out to us. Jesus died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Father, we thank you for that. And Father, my prayer today is that each of us, each of us understand that you have a purpose for us and, and a mission for us. You have us where we are for a reason. God, we may be able to, may, may be able to explain our faith that's in our hearts. May we be able to talk with others about our faith when you present that right opportunity. And maybe... Maybe, Father, there's somebody here today and they're not yet a follower of Jesus, but they've decided that they're ready to take that next step. Father, I just pray that they will have the courage to do that and, and in their heart they will begin that process and, and that they'll, they'll say something to me at the door. Whisper in my ear and we'll work out a time where we can get together and open your word and just, just talk about it, pray about it. But God, there, there might be somebody here as these heads are bowed that just need to have you touch their heart in a real way.
And really, there's a simple prayer that can be prayed. God, I've been living apart from you. I've gone in the direction that's opposite of where you want me to go. And so, Father, today I want to turn around. And today, today I pray and ask you to come into my life. I believe in what Jesus did on the cross so that my sins can be forgiven. And I want to receive the free gift of redemption today. Thank you, God. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.